Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for tuning in to another episode here on the Sweet Spot. We know the NFL Draft concluded last weekend, so I'm going to focus this episode on the NFL Draft, a recap, so to speak. Uh, we saw the 49ers take Trey Lance at number three. That's when the draft really began, and no one knew what was going to follow suit after number that, that number three pick. So Lance going number three to the Niners. We know Mac Jones went 15 to the Patriots. Justin Fields slid to 11 Chicago Bears, traded up to get him. So before I get into, uh, I don't want to say winners or losers, because I feel like every team improves somewhat in some manner, right? So I'll go into the teams I felt had the worst drafts, and then I'll go into the teams I felt did a little bit better than most of the teams in the league during the draft weekend. I got to take you through the worst sound of the entire draft. Like, I'm a guy that's like to get straight to the point, tell me what it is. I don't need any of this extra entertainment or show that the NFL tries to put on like just get to the point let's make the pick let's move on and who's on the clock next and let's go let's go let's keep the clock moving so this right here this soundbite that you're about to listen to probably frustrated me most of the entire NFL draft because like I said let's just get to the point I don't need to hear you banter and going on and on and on you're up there to make an announcement make the announcement and let's go take a listen to this soundbite thank you thank you I am honored to be here to represent the Dallas Cowboys to have this opportunity to announce the 44th pick in the second round. I'm also honored to be here in Cleveland, Ohio, home of one of the all-time greatest franchises in NFL football history. And I stand here tonight on the shoulders of many great Cleveland Brown football players like Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly, Bobby Mitchell, Gene Hickerson, John Woolen, Gary Collins, Dr. Frank Ryan, and the great number 42, Paul Warfield. As a kid growing up, the Cleveland Browns were one of my favorite franchises, favorite teams I supported. However, on behalf of the five-time world champion, Dallas Cowboys, Hall of Fame owner, Mr. Jerry Jones, Miss Gene Jones and the Jones family, head coach, Mike McCarthy, all those players that played before me, with me, and after me, and of course, to Cowboy Nation, with the second pick in the 44th round, 44th pick in the second round, the Dallas Cowboys select Defensive back from Kentucky, Kelvin Joseph. I mean, how annoying was that? Drew Pearson should never be allowed back on the NFL draft stage ever again. I don't need anybody up there trying to put on the show, trying to be extra. Just get up there, make the announcement. The millions of fans who are watching around the world are not there listening to hear you go on a rant and shout out all these players make the number 44 pick as you're supposed to do and let's move on this this is how it should sound every single pick should sound just like this announcement 
With the 119th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Kane Nwangu, running back, Iowa State. I fell in love with Donna Ponte during the NFL Draft just because she was a professional. She got up there. She announced her picks clearly. She enunciated. She made sure she pronounced each player's name correctly. I was completely just became a huge fan of hers, and that was my first time ever seeing her, even knowing she existed. Donna Ponte, she's the chief football administrative officer in the NFL, and I I would love for her to announce every single pick from the NF, for the NFL draft for every year going forward. I mean, she just to me like let's get it done let's be clear let's get to the point I think about like graduation you know you have a class of 200 graduating high school or whatever and it takes three hours or whatever it's like the kids want to get their diplomas they want to get on the stage and be done why do we have to have six people talk and five songs and this whole drawn out ordeal like let's get to the point even the family members are in the crowd. They're looking to see their kid, their cousin, their nephew, whoever, get on the stage and receive their diploma. It's not about the whole show and all this extra stuff. I like to get straight to it, and that's what Donna Ponte did. She didn't go up there with anything extra. Let's announce the picks, move on to the very next selection, and I'll do the same thing. I'm hoping that she gets more opportunities. I know this whole world has become super sensitive with more opportunities uh, for minorities and females and all that stuff. Let her be the every year announcer for the NFL draft. That should be the plan moving forward. I would love for her to have that opportunity to just be the representative for the NFL draft moving forward. No more Roger Goodell, no more fans and all this extra stuff that's involved. I don't need that. We don't need that. Let's just get to the point and move on to the very next selection. So talking about the NFL draft, with the teams that I felt like didn't do a really good job, it wasn't too many of them, but there's three that really stood out in my opinion. The first team is the Seattle Seahawks. I felt like uh, they didn't really have a chance, but it's their fault because of the trades that they've made in recent years or over the recent season or so. The Jamal Adams trade had to take two firsts and a third to get him from the Jets. So they only had three picks in the entire draft, and we know the Seahawks have a few needs, especially on their offensive line, if you want to keep a guy like Russell Wilson happy who's been one of the most hit quarterbacks since he's entered the league by far. So um, the Seahawks only having three picks. To me, that was a negative, and that's we all know that's how you build a team is through the draft. You can be good, but to have sustaining success, it takes nailing those draft picks. Another team, the New Orleans Saints, they were on my list last year as one of the worst draft weekends because last year they only selected four players, and it was really like three because the first-round selection was Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan. They took Zach Bond, a linebacker out of Wisconsin, and they also took Adam Trotman from Dayton as well. But their final pick was Tommy Stevens, the quarterback from Mississippi State. And it's like, why are you taking Tommy Stevens? He is not going to make the team. He is never going to see the field in New Orleans. So here it is again. This year, this same team who 
they have cap issues. So if you have cap issues, you're over the cap. You need to make sure um, you find creative ways to develop your roster throughout the draft. Let some of those higher price um, players on your rosters go. That way you can get players on rookie contracts or on cap-friendly deals. And so the Saints this year, to me, where they missed it was – in the second round, they took Pete Warner, the linebacker at Ohio State, and I like him. He can he can ball for sure. But you need a QB who fits your system, and Drew Brees is not coming back. Those days are over. Jameis Winston is not a good quarterback at all, never has been in the league. And then Taysom Hill isn't necessarily a true QB. We still, it still remains to be seen on what they decide to do with him ultimately. But they took per- Pete Warner – and then, four picks later, Kyle Trask is taken by the Buccaneers. Those who know me know how much I love Kyle Trask. I wanted him to be a Pittsburgh Steeler so bad. But he goes to the Buccaneers, the same division as the Saints. So they play Buccaneers twice a year. Kyle Trask will take over for Tom Brady. I think it's the best fit in the entire draft. But there were two guys that I liked for the Saints that I felt like would have been the best fit for them. Obviously, one, Kyle Trask. The other guy was Mac Jones, who went to the Patriots. So the fact that New Orleans had such a huge need at quarterback with one of the best retiring in Drew Brees, they don't have a clue who their future signal caller is. And they had opportunity to get one of them, and that was Kyle Trask. I know Mac Jones, you would have to trade up to, uh, they had to trade up from 28 to move up to get him ahead of the Patriots at 15. But Kyle Trask was there. They could have taken him in the first. You can get him late first like they could have instead of getting Peyton Turner, defensive end out of Houston, because then you get that fifth year attached to their rookie contract. So Saints, second straight year that they dropped a ball in the NFL draft. I saw one analyst mention that he wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans would be selecting in the top 10 next year. Uh, obviously implying that they wouldn't have a good year this upcoming NFL season. I wouldn't be shocked either. I know they have a lot of talent, but everything went through Breeze and the decision-making that he made and the accuracy that he displayed on a daily basis. They don't have a quarterback because Jameis is garbage. We know that. Taysom Hill may be best whether they use him in several different ways, but they don't have a QB. And it could be a long season in that NFC South division. As we know, the defending champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are not going anywhere. Carolina Panthers are going to be so much stronger getting Sam Darnold in the um, draft that they had as well. I love what they did. And then you look at the Atlanta Falcons getting Kyle Pitts, getting Richie Grant, the safety out of UCF. Frank Darby, the receiver out of Arizona State. I like what Atlanta did as well. I mean... Arthur Smith, newly head coach, said that, hey, we didn't, we're not here to rebuild. We came here to compete. And so the Falcons are going to put all their eggs in one basket as well and try to get back into the playoff hunt for this upcoming season. So i got the Seahawks and the Saints, the two teams that I felt like dropped the ball in the NFL draft. The Houston Texans is the final team. They only have five picks as well. This is a team that missed the opportunity by not trading Deshaun Watson when they should have traded Deshaun Watson. Because once the whole legal side of issues came about, there was no way they could get what they originally could have received previously when he first made his trade demand, his trade request. And I know you never want to trade a a star young elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson, but that's kind of 
where you've been put yourself in your position with your guy B.O.B., Bill O'Brien, former head coach. He was kind of acting GM. He traded Jadavion Clowney. He traded DeAndre Hopkins. And I didn't even know this stat until my good friend Chris Liuzzi, who's been on the show several times, when he brought this up to me during that whole ordeal when B.O.B. made these trades. Clowney got traded. Hopkins got traded. Neither one of them went for a first-round pick. And I know Clowney has, you know, had his injuries and all that stuff. But at the time, they probably could have got a first from somewhere. And we know for sure DeAndre Hopkins could have gone for at least one first-round pick, if not two, if Jamal Adams could get, you know, nets two first-round picks. I mean, Jamal Adams is a good safety, more like a linebacker, honestly. But the fact that the Texans could not get a single first in either one of those deals and the depletion of assets and the – the depleted roster that they had as well. Like Houston is clearly in a rebuilding situation. This is not like Atlanta and how Arthur Smith said, hey, we're not going to rebuild. Houston is clearly rebuilding. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They had the number three pick, or they should have had the number three pick. But because of O'Brien's trade to the Dolphins, the Dolphins had the number three pick. And obviously they traded down. The Niners moved up from 12 to 3, and they select Trey Lance. So the Texans missing that opportunity to trade Deshaun Watson months ago when he first came out said I don't want to be in Houston. That was a prime opportunity to trade him, get multiple firsts, probably a second and a third. I mean, they there's no telling what they could have got for Deshaun Watson, especially at the time where there was a lot of QB holes to be filled. I mean, Matthew Stafford went from the Lions to the Rams. Golf goes from the Rams to the Lions. Uh, he had no idea what Carolina was going to do, had no clue what the Jets were going to do. The Niners would have loved Sean Watson. They would have traded for him in a heartbeat. So they missed a prime chance to rebuild that franchise by acquiring multiple picks, and now you're stuck with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he is in such a big – I don't know what the deal is. We don't, we don't know the truth and none of that stuff. It's all, it's all allegations right now, but – the fact that Houston has to deal with that, along with having one of the worst rosters in the NFL, the Texans will be right back in the top five again next year. Uh, this team is clearly a joke, and they brought it upon themselves by giving O'Brien the keys to making the decisions in the front office when he had no business doing so in Houston. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. 
Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. RLC Shirts is a family-owned and operated custom apparel and gift business. Providing custom printing and embroidery, RLC Shirts can help with no minimum order. Phone 334-899-4339 or online rlcshirts.com. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool, Patio, and Spa. As we continue this NFL Draft recap, I shared my thoughts on who I felt dropped the ball in the NFL Draft. It's time to share my favorite teams on who just did a better job than the rest of the league. And starting out, I broke it up. It's nine teams. I broke it up into groups of three. So it's kind of a good, great best scenario so starting off with the good scenario these teams I felt did a good job in draft not necessarily great but really good the Baltimore Ravens they always do a excellent job I mean this is a franchise that nails their draft picks going back from when Ozzie Newsom was the general manager and now it's Eric DaCosta he has continued that tradition of nailing their selections Every single year in the NFL draft, they needed receiver help. We all know they need receiver help. And they go out and get two of the best receiver draft prospects in the entire college football landscape. You get Rashad Bateman, receiver out of Minnesota. He didn't play this last year. He opted out. Dude ended up being a first-round pick. Obviously, as you see, he can ball. I mean, Tyler Johnson was his teammate in Minnesota. He ended up being taken in the fifth round last year by the Buccaneers. And he has a bright career ahead of him. He's just kind of – there's a lot of options, obviously, that Tom Brady has with Evans and Godwin and Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown is back for another year, Gronk and O.J. Howard. So Tyler Johnson won't have many opportunities to showcase what he has, but Tampa Bay know they got a solid receiver in last year's draft. Tylen Wallace is the other receiver that the Ravens drafted, kid out of Oklahoma State. I watched a lot of Big 12 football, or I should say specifically Oklahoma State football over the last year or two. And Tylen Wallace, another receiver, another great to come out of Oklahoma State, to come out of Stillwater. They had James Washington, who is with my Steelers now. Dez Bryant, we know how great he was coming out of Oklahoma State. James Blackman, the former first-round pick that went to Jacksonville. Oklahoma State has become a receiver kind of hotbed, so to speak. I mean... They may not have the three or four that Bama has coming out annually, and LSU has always been one of the better receiving colleges in recent history. LSU, Florida, um, 
that's really when I come to mind. I think about LSU in Florida and, like I said, Bama recently. But Oklahoma State might not have those three, four annually, but they'll usually have that one every three, four years that you're like, man, this dude is one of the best. I mean, like I said, James Washington was one of my favorite picks that the Steelers got a few years ago. Um, Tylen Wallace, I'm speaking of, dude is a baller. The Ravens needed to address the receiver position. They did just that, getting two of the better receivers in the entire draft. Moving on to another team I felt did a good job. I actually had them in a great category at first, but some recent news over the last few days kind of had to bump down to, to the good part of my scenario. So the Tennessee Titans, they select Caleb Farley, the first-round cornerback out of Virginia Tech. They know he's had some back issues, back surgeries here over the last uh, months or so. He is a guy that if he's healthy, he is going to be a stud for them. They know they needed a lot of help in that secondary. Malcolm Butler is now in Arizona. You have Adoree Jackson now with the Giants. Caleb Farley, if he's healthy, could be a nice addition for that secondary. Dylan Radons, the offensive line for North Dakota State, has always been one of the top most talked about prospects coming out of the college ranks this year. They get him. Hopefully they can add him on that line and be a huge protection for Ryan Tannehill. Monty Rice, the linebacker out of Georgia from Madison, Alabama. Monty Rice is he's one of those guys that may not get all the praise, but he is going to do his job correctly. You know what you're getting from him. There's not going to be any loopholes, not any missed assignments. This guy's quietly going to get the job done. Another player in the secondary, Tennessee, drafted to help address those issues in the back end, Elijah Molden, the corner out of Washington. We know Washington has been one of the better secondary schools in recent years. When you think of guys like Sidney Jones, Taylor Rapp, Buda Baker, Kevin King, these are all top draft picks when they came out. Washington has always had that kind of solid core in the secondary when uh, Chris Peterson took over uh, years ago. and I missed that dude in college. So I hope he gets back into coaching soon. It'd be fun to see if he comes back and where he would land. But the Titans adding Elijah Molden, I think that's a solid pickup for them as well. They also added Rashad Weaver, the defensive end out of Pitt. And, you know, they saw the videos with – him doing the Israel combat, Krav Maja is when the trainer holds knives and they're doing different exercises. The whole reason, like, okay, if I, if he can't touch you with a knife, somebody with their hands can't touch you either. So if he can't reach you when you're doing the exercises with knives, then there's no way, no way somebody can put their hands on you as far as offensive lineman goes when he's a pass rusher trying to get past him. So this is something that has been seen. I know Aaron Donald was doing it last year. He saw videos. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, who would do this? And uh, So obviously it's become a newer thing for pass rushers to get used to doing this Israel combat, Krav Maja, Rashad Weaver, out of pit. Uh, you know, I love this interview, just seeing – him speak directly to the camera, eye contact. You know, I kind of bought in. I was like, okay, this dude seems to know his stuff, and obviously he's a good player. But there has been some recent legal issues that arose over the last few days. So we don't know exactly where his 
status stands as a Tennessee Titan, if they will even bring him onto the roster. But that was a team that I had in the great category prior to that news uh, about Rashad Weaver coming out over the last few days. One more team in the good category, and that's the Washington football team. In the first round, they selected Jamin Davis, the linebacker to Kentucky. In the second round, they went with Samuel Cosme, the tackle out of Texas, to help protect whichever QB is going to win the job, whether it's Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick, who came over in free agency. Then they went with Benjamin St. Juice, the corner out of Minnesota, very solid corner. He was one of the guys I had on my sleeper list. I composed a list of about 20 guys uh, to watch out for in the NFL draft, and especially if they fall to the right situation in the NFL draft. And I'll share that list at the end of this episode. Then they went with Deami Brown, the receiver, big play receiver out of North Carolina. They also had Daz Newsom and uh, Chapel Hill as well. But Deami Brown went to the Washington football team. And then their last pick, Dax Milne, the receiver from BYU. We hear a lot of back a lot about Zach Wilson who went to the Jets with the number two pick. Well his number one target was Dax Milne, a very good receiver who's excellent in route running. I wouldn't be surprised if he can find a way to get onto that Washington team, he he could be a, a, a very late round steal for Washington in the NFC East. So that will conclude the good portion of my draft. Teams that I felt did a good job, not a great job. I'll get into the great part next, but a good job. Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, and the Washington football team. Now going to the great part, I felt these teams did a great job with their selections in last weekend's NFL draft. Starting with the New England Patriots, you know, of course they got Mac Jones to fall into their laps at 15. There's no in-between with that guy. People either like Mac Jones or they don't like Mac Jones. You know, I did a poll on Instagram asking people what they thought about Mac Jones. I just asked, do you think he would have NFL success? Now, 67% said yes, and the other 33 said no. I'm one of the guys that think he will have success. I think Mac Jones will have a solid NFL career. But I do believe it was contingent upon him going to a great situation, which is pretty much for every prospect, especially quarterbacks. But Mac Jones going to New England, I thought either there or New Orleans would suit him best. And so the fact that he fell into New England's lap at number 15, they didn't have to trade up, was an excellent pick for them. One of the best picks in the entire draft, especially at that quarterback position. He goes to a franchise that's stable with a great head coach and somebody that they need a QB. We know they gave Cam another year, but they don't believe in Cam long-term. I think it was just a, hey, we'll get a, give it another shot with a full offseason with more weapons at your disposal. And I think Cam will do a much better job than he did last year, which was, really wasn't just his fault. It was a lack of talent on the perimeters and so they did a better job with acquiring guys like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, Jonu Smith tight end from the Tennessee Titans and then they also acquired Hunter Henry from the Chargers. So Mac Jones now will be the future 
signal caller in Foxborough. They also selected Christian Barmore. This was a guy that a lot of people expected to slide into that late first round where he, well, he fell into the second instead and the Patriots right there to take him. And this is a new guy I think will be a huge part of that rotation on the front line defensively. And I don't know how he fell into the second. I thought for sure he would be a first. I know a lot of mock drafts had the Browns taking him, but of course they took Greg Newsom in the first round. But Christian Barmore going to the Patriots was an excellent pick. And they also selected Ronnie Perkins, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. He is a guy that gets after it. He will get to the QB. He will consistently get pressure on the QB throughout every single game. And that's just a Patriots pick. You know, he's a guy that you can stand up. You can get him down on the line with a hand in the dirt and rush a QB that way. I think the Patriots will have a fun time figuring out different ways to use Ronnie Perkins on the defensive side of the ball. Now, the next team that I felt had a great draft is the Dallas Cowboys. We know in that first pick, uh, there was a lot of rumors that they wanted a cornerback, either J.C. Horn out of South Carolina or Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. They were hoping they could get one of those two, but, you know, they traded back from 10 to 12 with the Eagles. The Eagles moved up and got Devontae Smith, as we know. But the Cowboys went with linebacker Micah Parsons with their first pick, and, you know, there were some who questioned that. It's like, do they need a linebacker? And you think about it. They do. I mean, Sean Lee retired the day before the draft. You have Leighton Vander Esch out of Boise State, who they took in the first couple years ago. He's been banged up. Jalen Smith, the other linebacker, hasn't really lived up to his full potential since signing that huge contract a couple years ago. So getting a guy like Mark, Micah Parsons, they say he ran like a 4-3-9 or something crazy at his pro day. Getting an athletic linebacker like that, to help shore up the defense, as we know, needs a lot of work. Getting him was a great start for this draft. And I mentioned this is the team that I felt they had a great draft, and it was primarily what they did on the defense side of the ball. The next pick they had was Kelvin Joseph, the corner out of Kentucky. This dude will make a play. He fears no one as receivers go. And I think that the secondary in Dallas needs somebody like that with that kind of edge, somebody who's not going to be intimidated by any of the top receivers. They'll have to face twice a year in the NFC East division, especially with what the Giants have done, drafting uh, Kadarius Toney. They have Kenny Galladay now, Sterling Shepard still there. They have Evan Ingram and, of course, Darius Slayton out of Auburn. So getting a guy like Kelvin Joseph, I felt, was a huge selection, something that just goes beyond his talent, but just a mindset that we're not going to fear anybody that lines up across us. Now, this next pick for Dallas was one of the guys, like if I did my own personal GM draft board, he was a guy that I was hoping somehow, some way, would fall to my Steelers or the Steelers would even consider taking him. And, you know, I got a chance to watch him a lot at LSU. And it was his cover skills that really blew my mind. Like, he's amazing in space. Jabril Cox, he was at North, North Dakota State. He transferred to LSU for that last season. And he is one of the better, if not the best, coverage linebackers in coming out of this NFL draft. So when the Cowboys took him, I'm just thinking, like, golly, man. Like, I would love for him to be in Pittsburgh because, of course, Pittsburgh wants a 3-4 defense. 
but their linebackers aren't obviously, I mean, the 3-4 days. You're not going to have your best linebackers going to be cover guys. They're going to be edge rushers. That's usually what they're designed to do. But I was hoping that we would take a guy like Jabril, teach him some pass rushing moves, or at least some ability to get to the quarter, which I feel like he can do blitzing-wise. But just having somebody you can throw out there in certain situations when teams know they can either run or throw on you. And I felt like getting a guy like Jabril Cox gives you that versatility because last year when Devin Bush went down for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll get back to Dallas, but when, when Dupree went down and then you had Spillane go down, and you have Avery Williamson sitting out there who's horrible in coverage. That's not his That's not his game. He's a run stuffer. You get somebody like Jabril Cox who can possibly do both. We know he's going to provide great coverage, and teams can't pick you apart in the passing game. So the Cowboys getting Jabril Cox was an excellent pick, one of the better picks I felt like in the entire draft. They also drafted Israel Mukwamu, the corner out of South Carolina. I know um, I read some, some tidbits about him. People kind of talking about he was stiff in his hips. But he is a playmaker. Like, this is a guy, when he has a chance to make a highlight-type interception, he will do just that. So them getting Israel, Israel Mukwamu, another corner out of the SEC, having him with Kelvin Joseph, Trayvon Diggs is already there, as we know. I like what Dallas did, and we know what they can do offensively. They have Michael Gallup. They have Dak Prescott coming off injury, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, C.D. Lamb is, of course, Mark Cooper. So I like what the Cowboys did in the draft, shoring up that defensive side of the ball. I think they'll be a team to watch for in that NFC East and maybe a favorite. Uh, I ain't going to go favorite just yet, but I think they'll make that division very competitive at the top of that NFC East race. Now this next team, this final team that I felt had a great draft was the New York Jets. I mean, of course, they start out with Zach Wilson at number two. They trade up from 23 to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard out of USC. And, you know, my guy, Lewis Riddick, one of the analysts on the ESPN, he was sure about this dude. Like, he wasn't just saying that he's going to be a pro bowler. He said Vera Tucker's going to be an all-pro type lineman. So that's high praise for sure, especially when he hasn't played a single down. So that's some 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 surety Sounds like from Lewis Riddick on his uh, confidence of Vera Tucker's ability for the New York Jets. They go with Elijah Moore, the receiver out of Ole Miss, who lit it up. You know, I can't help but think anytime I see Elijah Moore, I think about that dog urination celebration that he did against Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl that cost Ole Miss the game. But this dude has blazing speed, huge playmaker. The Jets need playmakers especially at their receiver position. So I love what they did getting him. They go with Michael Carter. They actually actually drafted two Michael Carters in this draft, one from UNC, the other from Duke. But uh, the one I'm referring to is a running back from North Carolina. Uh, He was a huge part of that one-two tandem with Javante Williams, who um, was one of the better backs coming out of the draft as well, who went to Denver. I like that Michael Carter pick for them. I think that was a great pick. 
um, somebody that's who can be a home run threat for them in that backfield because we know the Jets need some of everything. And that's why I feel like they had one of the better drafts was because they kind of hit on a little bit of everything. You've heard me talk about Wilson, the quarterback, Vera Tucker, who's on the offensive line, Elijah Moore at receiver, Michael Carter at running back, Jamie Sherwood, safety out of Auburn, thumper, hard hitter, in-the-box type safety. Another guy, kind of like I referred to with the cold Kelvin Joseph mentality in Dallas, Sherwood going to the Jets, somebody who who can kind of be an enforcer. You don't see too many of those guys in the secondary these days because of the whole safety rules. But Jamie Sherwood, I think, could be a guy to look out for just because of his enforcing type ability, hit heart hitter, anybody coming across the middle. He's a thumper, so I love that pick by them. They also went with... Nazarel Dean from Florida State, the safety there, another hard-hitting safety, a guy who makes plays, gets his shoulder on the ball, jars it loose. Watch out for that tandem, Sherwood and Nazarel Dean out of Florida State. And then they went with Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle out of Arkansas. I got a chance to watch a few Arkansas games, and you know he consistently showed up whenever they played. So I love what the Jets did to round out the teams I felt did a great job. The New England Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Jets. Now, this next tier is what I call the teams who had the best draft. Like I said, there's several different teams who had good drafts or solid drafts. Um, and, and you know, I narrowed it down to good, great, and best. This next group is our three teams I felt did the best job out of them all. Now, starting out is the Los Angeles Chargers. I felt the Chargers, they got up to a great start, first of all, with taking Rashawn Slater with their first pick. Excellent pick. You have your guy in Justin Herbert. You know he's your franchise quarterback. Now you have a tackle who can help protect and keep him upright. Excellent pick, getting the tackle out of Northwestern. Then, you know, they were on the clock in the second round, and... I said, man, Asante Samuel Jr. seems like a pick for them. Like That just seemed like a Chargers-type pick when he was still on the board at their selection in the second round. And then sure enough, that's who they get. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. His dad played several years in the league. One of the better corners when he played. Played, spent time with Philly, spent time in New England as well, and the Falcons. Asante Samuel Jr., excellent pick by the Chargers. Josh Palmer... Another guy I liked, he was on my sleeper list, Tennessee receiver. I love that pick by, by them. Um, like I said, receivers, you don't necessarily have to take a receiver early in the draft. There's plenty of receivers to be found in the middle round, second, third, fourth, fifth. Some guys go undrafted that are end up being studs, but I love the Josh Palmer pick. They also took Trey McKitty, the tight end out of Georgia. I like his playmaking abilities. He didn't get many opportunities, and there's a lot of guys to spread the ball around to in Athens, but I like the Trey McKitty pick. And then they also went with Chris Rump, the second linebacker out of Duke. So the Chargers are the first team I felt had the best draft out of all the NFL teams. They are in that best draft tier. Now the next team that I felt had one of the best drafts, the Minnesota Vikings, and not only this year did they select high-quality talent, guys who were proven, but they also had a lot of picks in general. 
Um, in my previous episode, you heard me mention GM of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard. He talked about when you have more picks, it gives you more darts at the dartboard. And that's exactly what the Vikings have done. I mean, this is a team that had 15 draft picks last year. This year, they had 11. So it's 26 players you get to choose from and take a chance on because we know the draft is not an exact science. But if you get more picks, it gives you some more freedom, more leeway to not necessarily hit on some of those. Of course, you hope you hit on all of them, which is extremely difficult. But the more picks you have, the more forgiving and kind of grace that you have to maybe take a chance on a few guys. But this year, I love what they did with the Christian Derisaw pick. This is a guy they actually targeted at 14. And, you know, they traded back to 23 with the Jets, getting two-thirds in advance. And they also still get their guy Derisaw. So what a win by the Vikings making that move and picking up two threes along the way. They went with Kellen Mond, the quarterback at Texas A&M. He will back up Kirk Cousins. And who knows, he could be the next guy for the Vikings at that position. Kellen Mond, we know he has his ups and downs, but a lot of scouts were high on him coming out of the draft and that, you know, they feel like man, he could be one of those sleeper guys to watch out for going to the right team. And so I think this is a good fit for him, that he doesn't have to be thrusted into the starting role anytime soon. One of my favorite picks, another guy that was on my sleeper list, and like I mentioned now, kind of go through a quick recap of some of the guys who I had on that list. But Chad Surratt, the linebacker out of North Carolina, I mentioned Jabril Cox, how I wanted him. If I didn't get Cox, I wanted Surratt. I wanted one of those two guys just because of their coverage skill abilities. Chad Surratt was a former quarterback at UNC. He decided to move over to linebacker, and that was probably the best fit for his career because he probably wasn't the best QB prospect, and I wouldn't have really seen him getting drafted at that position. But at linebacker, he became a solid tackler and excellent in coverage. Great pick by the Vikings. They went with Wyatt Davis, interior lineman out of Ohio State. Anytime you get a solid lineman prospect, to help protect your QB, they like I said, they mentioned they got Darisaw the first pick. You know, that only helps what any quarterback needs, which is a solid offensive line, especially Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback, but he didn't have the best line play last season. And then they also went with Emir Smith-Marset, the receiver out of Iowa. Big-time playmaker, return game, downfield threat, Man, this guy is a stud. He was a guy I had on my sleeper list as well. Here he goes to the Vikings. They get two of my sleepers, he and Chad Surratt. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he had a very silly injury doing a flip into the end zone, hurts his ankle. Like, man, just get into the end zone. I I love celebrations, don't get me wrong, but stuff like that, just get into the end zone, do a little dance, and make a little love, whatever. But, nah, seriously, Amir Smith-Marset, Excellent pick by the Vikings. Now, this final team that I felt had one of the best drafts out of the entire NFL league, and I probably would put them number one as my favorite team as far as what they did in this past draft. The Denver Broncos, they nailed it out the park. They were actually one of my teams that I had as one of the best drafts last year, too. Denver, in my opinion, has had two back-to-back great 
rounds of selections and so they got Pat Sertan as we know the corner out of Alabama I didn't really know what they would go there you know a lot of people talked about QB possibly take over for Drew Locke or at least give him some competition but they went with Pat Sertan even though they did bring over Ronald Darby they signed him to a three-year deal they have Kyle Fuller on a one-year deal who came over from the Bears well they add Pat Sertan to it and it doesn't hurt because you have to go against Mahomes twice a year Justin Herbert twice a year Derek Carr twice a year so getting Pat Sertan who can help shore up that secondary and at least make it tough on those QBs that I previously mentioned this next guy Javante Williams running back out of North Carolina he was probably my favorite running back in the entire draft you know I wanted the Steelers to get a good running back and I knew Najee Harris was a target there so but I was fine with Najee Harris going number 24 to the Steelers, a complete do-it-all back. But if it wasn't him, I wanted Javante Williams. This dude is a thumper. I think he led the entire college football ranks with yards after contact. I mean, this dude is a baller. And so the fact that they have Melvin Gordon, who people kind of tend to sleep on, and now they pair him with Javante Williams – that's going to be a very interesting one-two punch that they'll have in Denver in the Mile High Stadium. They also go with Quinn Miners, the lineman who received a lot of traction going into the draft at the Reese's Senior Bowl is where he kind of made his name. This is a guy out of Wisconsin-Whitewater that really took advantage of the opportunity he had at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Baron Brownie, the linebacker at Ohio State, they went with Caden Stearns, the safety out of Texas, a sleeper guy of mine as well. Uh, he was one of the top recruits coming out of his class. I love him going to Denver. I feel like they will find the perfect role for him because he's a playmaker. He can make things happen. You just want him to do too much, but if he, if you kind of put him and find what he does best and allow him to do those things, I believe in their Broncos secondary, they'll be pleased with his with his performance. They go with Jamar Johnson, another safety out of Indiana, seems to be a playmaker who, and, that, and that's the kind of trend that they went with, was let's get guys who are athletic, who can make plays, who if we put them in space, they won't look silly. So I think Jamar Johnson was another excellent pick for by them. Kerry Vincent Jr., Another sleeper of mine, so they kind of double up with two of my sleepers as well with Kerry Vincent Jr. from LSU. He was a guy I was hoping the Steelers would target because we needed some some corner depth after losing Mike Hilton to the Bengals, releasing Steven Nelson for salary cap reasons. Kerry Vincent Jr. out of LSU, great pick by the Denver Broncos. And then this guy here, I actually thought he would go in the third or fourth round, but he lasted all the way to the sixth, and there he was for the Denver Broncos taking Seth Williams, the receiver out of Auburn. We know he, there's, you know, it's been attitude talk, and you saw some of that frustration on the sidelines and some of his emotions getting the best of him, but. He can play ball. If it wasn't for those issues and inconsistent play from the quarterback position, he probably would have been a third-rounder, no less. So uh, Seth Williams, great pick by the Broncos when they already have Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton will come uh, come back from his injury. You have Noah Fett at the tight end position. And then you also have Tim Patrick at receiver, who he is a guy that people nobody really talks about out of that core, but – he is someone to watch out for as well. So 
those were the teams I felt did the best in the draft. I mentioned I'll do a quick recap. Teams I felt did good. Washington, Tennessee, and Baltimore. The next group, that teams that did great, the Jets, Cowboys, and Patriots. And then the teams I felt did the best were the Chargers, Vikings, and Broncos. And I mentioned I will talk about my sleeper list. It's a group of about 20 guys that I comp- composed a list of th- that I felt that they would probably fall in the draft. And they would, in my opinion, guys to watch out for in the next year or two or three. And you'll be like, man, Corey mentioned his name. And it's, I mean, it's still about them finding the right spot. But these are guys I felt that will fall in the draft and could be guys to watch for in the coming years. Tylen Wallace, you heard me talk about him going to the Ravens. Eamon Ross St. Brown, the receiver out of USC, going to the Lions. He'll have a chance to play early with Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. Marvin Jones going to Jacksonville. He'll have a chance to make plays early for the Detroit Lions football team. Tamarion Terry did not get drafted, but he did sign with the Seahawks. If he can find a place coming out of Florida State with the Seahawks group, I think he'll be somebody to watch for as well. Daz Newsom, the receiver out of North Carolina. I mentioned his name briefly when I talked about De'Ami Brown going to Washington. He goes to the Bears. Amir Smith-Marset, receiver, you heard me talk about him. He's with the Vikings. Josh Palmer, I mentioned his name. He's with the Chargers. Frank Darby, a late-round selection by the Falcons. If he can stick on, I know they got Julio, they got Kyle Pitts now, they got Calvin Ridley. But Frank Darby coming out of Arizona State, I had a chance to watch him over the last few years as I would watch Herm Edwards and that group and how he has rejuvenated that entire program. We see Brandon Ayuk come out of Arizona State, first-round pick for the Niners. We saw Nikhil Harry, a first-round pick out of Arizona State, go to the Patriots. Frank Darby was a part of that solid receiving core as well. So watch out for those names at the receiver position. At running back, Puka Williams Jr. out of Kansas. He had some legal issues during his time there in Kansas, but he signed with the Bengals. We'll see if he can land on with them. Kylan Hill, the running back out of Mississippi State. You know, he was a guy that I was looking at like, man, if he can go to the right situation, don't be surprised for him to make some noise. And I think the Packers could be a great situation for him. I know Jamal Williams is no longer there. Um, so we'll see if he can latch on in Green Bay and get a chance to make that team and make an impact up there in Lambeau Field. Trey Sermon, the running back at Ohio State. The San Francisco 49ers do it again. Kyle Shanahan getting this guy when he transferred from Oklahoma. He was already good at Oklahoma, but he even – you know, made an even bigger name for himself at Ohio State, playing on the best um, best team in the Big Ten, one of the bigger stages as they made it to the championship game, getting blown out by Alabama, as we all know. But Trey Sermon, excellent pick by the Niners, and we know Kyle Shanahan and his offense. He'll take anybody and turn him into a stud running back. So uh, watch out for Trey Sermon in San Francisco. Staying on the offensive side of the ball, my favorite pick, those who know me, this is who I wanted to be in Pittsburgh. And I, honestly, I'll be straight. When he didn't go to Pittsburgh, I literally left. I was watching every single pick until his sele- his selection. And when he didn't go to my team, I got up, went to Walmart. I went to Subway, got me a sub. I, mean, I, was just, I didn't want to watch any more for the rest of that night. Kyle Trash going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Probably one of the best picks in the entire draft. 
great situation. Um, people sleep on trash, man. This dude is super accurate, makes great decisions. He Now he's in a position where he can just sit and learn and don't have to rush into any kind of position. He is behind Tom Brady. Sit, soak up every little word, every little detail that you see, and you'll be the guy. And you're in great position because they have everything. They're loaded down in Tampa Bay. So Kyle Trask going to Tampa Bay was a sleeper pick. And, you know, when, once he came, he was the kind of led that whole second tier of QBs. Once he was taken with the last pick in the second round, then you saw Kellen come off and Davis Mills go to the Texans. So um, trash to the Buccaneers, excellent selection. Now, rounding out my defensive sleepers, you heard me talk about Chad Surratt going to the Vikings, Jabril Cox, cover linebacker out of LSU, going to the Cowboys, K.J. Britt, talking about Tampa Bay, K.J. Britt, the linebacker out of Auburn, we know he's kind of a old-school linebacker, hit you in the mouth, downhill, will thump you if you come up the middle. Going to Tampa Bay, another good fit. Like, it just works well. They just did a really good job. I know I didn't mention them amongst the better teams as far as drafting-wise, but I love what they did with a few of their selections. The Bengals went with Joseph Osai out of Texas, pass rusher. They lost Carl Lawson to the Jets. Here they go getting Joseph Asai, just like Carl Lawson was a middle-round pick who kind of fell into their laps. Excellent pick by the Bengals. You heard me talk about Israel Mukwamu going to the Cowboys. Benjamin St. Juice, I mentioned him to Washington. Kerry Vincent Jr. going to the Broncos, I talked about him. Caden Stearns also going to the Broncos. But then Richard LeCount, drafted by the Browns in the fifth round, he had that motorcycle injury. If it wasn't for that, he would have been no later than a second-round pick. So we're hoping he can come back from his injuries. I know he tested horribly at his pro day, trying to recover from those injuries. Hopefully he can come back to his pre-injury days and uh, prove that he has a chance to stay in the league because he's a baller, he's a playmaker. He makes things happen in that secondary. And so hopefully he can get back to his playing ways pre-injury just like he had down in Athens. So those are my picks, my teams that I felt had a good draft, great draft, and teams who came out with the best draft. And we know it's always super exciting and never easy to find who actually nailed these picks until several years later. It's not after one season, it's not after two kind of give it a few years and go back and look like man they nailed that one or they really missed on that pick but those are my takes we'll see how it plays out in the coming years but the denver broncos the los angeles chargers and the minnesota vikings i felt came out with the best drafts out of everyone in the entire nfl draft last weekend and as we always say there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.